Win stacks of cash by entering the 150K Crack the Code giveaway. Brought to you by your local paper, now through July 14th. Look for the code on page A2. Then visit 150kgiveaway.com and submit your entry. You could win the grand prize of $100,000. Grab the paper every day. Get the code on page 2A and improve your chances to win tons of weekly cash prizes. Visit 150kgiveaway.com for details. Welcome to episode 43 of Crime Time for Thursday, March 14th on FayObserver.com. I'm Sonny Jones. On the podcast, we'll look at issues involving crime, courts, and public safety, highlighting stories in the news. And a reminder, anyone we discussed who has been charged with a crime is presumed innocent until found guilty in a court of law. Let's get started. Why was traffic backed up on Tuesday, March 12th for those trying to exit onto the All-American Freeway to access Fort Bragg's All-American Gate? Was there a security breach on post? Well, let's say a definite maybe. A security concern may be a better description, and since September 11, 2001, any security concern calls for immediate action on a base that used to be as open as any in the country. The All-American Gate was closed for several hours after a man described as a foreign national without valid identification attempted to get onto the military post, officials said. Colonel Larry Dewey, Fort Bragg's Director of Emergency Services, said a foreign national attempted to broach the All-American Gate about 10.30 a.m. Tuesday, March the 12th, but did not want to present any form of identification. Eventually he did, but the identification forms had expired. The man, who has not been identified, was traveling on a Jordanian passport, but his visa, driver's license, and vehicle registration were expired. Colonel Dewey said the man acted suspicious by not wanting to present his identification, not wanting guards to search his vehicle, and by the way he acted around his vehicle. He did not try to rush the gate, but Dewey said he could not give a good reason for why he was trying to get on Fort Bragg. And if you cannot provide a reason for getting on post, then, well, you're not getting on post. The All-American Gate and its nearby exit on Interstate 295 were closed for about four hours as traffic was diverted. No injuries were reported. The man was detained for questioning and turned over to Homeland Security and Immigration and Customs Enforcement. The man was scheduled to appear before a Wake County magistrate on Wednesday, March the 13th. But as of this podcast recording, there's been no word on what has happened to the man. Check FayObserver.com for updates. We'll post them as soon as we get any further information. Well, here's some podcast interaction for you. Ready? Raise your hand if you've used your cell phone while driving. Hey, keep keep at least one hand on the wheel if you're driving right now. Yes, we've all done it in spite of the dangers. And texting while driving? Surely none of us have done that, have we? North Carolina has had a prohibition on texting or emailing while driving since 2009, and drivers under 18 cannot use mobile phones at all. Soon, none of us may be allowed to use handheld cell phones while driving. The North Carolina House Transportation Committee overwhelmingly backed legislation Tuesday, March 12th, to bar all motorists from holding wireless devices with their hands or against their body while operating their cars. Drivers would also not be allowed to text or watch videos. 
First-time violators would face $100 fines growing to $200 with additional penalties on insurance record for repeat offenses. There would be exceptions in emergencies, and adults could use handheld phones sitting on stands or in drink holders for a call if pressing only one button to start or end it. Sixteen states in the District of Columbia now prohibit all drivers from using handheld cell phones, according to the National Conference of State Legislatures. North Carolina may become the 17th state. Obviously, it's a public safety issue, distracted driving. Lawmakers say it would reduce accidents and potentially rein in insurance rates. However, some lawmakers say there are already laws dealing with reckless or careless driving and that preventing motorists from holding their devices did not eliminate the real distraction. One area the possible cell phone ban would help is enforcement. It's going to be fairly obvious to law officers that you're holding a cell phone to your ear. We'll keep an eye or an ear on what happens with the possible legislation in Raleigh. It has not been a good week for motorcyclists in Cumberland County. On Sunday, March 10th, Fayetteville Police reported the deaths of two motorcyclists. 34-year-old Naron Pratt of St. Paul's died at the scene after the motorcycle he was riding was involved in a crash on Bingham Drive near the intersection with Lake Ridge Drive. Wendy Sutton of Fayetteville was driving a 2002 Toyota Camry that was involved in the crash, according to the police. The accident remains under investigation. Also, Patrick McDill, a 22-year-old Fort Bragg soldier, died Sunday after the motorcycle he was riding was involved in a crash along uh, Yadkin Road near Horseshoe Road early Sunday morning. McDill later died at Cape Fear Valley Medical Center. McDill's motorcycle collided with a 2017 Toyota Corolla driven by 24-year-old Jasmine Russell Dicker of Sanford, police say. Russell Dicker was charged with driving while impaired and unsafe movement causing injury to a motorcyclist, according to police. A judge will not allow a man convicted of murdering Michael Jordan's father in 1993 to proceed with an effort to prove his innocence. That's according to court documents. Judge Winston Gilchrist informed lawyers last week that he would deny Daniel Green's request for an evidentiary hearing that could have led to a new trial, according to a filing in the case last week. An attorney for Green, Chris Muma, has filed a motion asking the judge to reconsider so new testimony from Green's co-defendant can be heard. She said if that's not allowed, she'll file an appeal. An affidavit accompanied her motion states that Green's co-defendant, Larry Demery, told her in a December 2018 interview that he felt coached by law enforcement to testify falsely against Mr. Green. Moomaw has also argued that Green's constitutional rights to a fair trial were violated by ineffective counsel who failed to adequately explore ballistics evidence or to call testimony by several alibi witnesses. Now, Green admits that he helped dump James Jordan's body, but maintained he was not present when Jordan was fatally shot in the chest. Green's conviction for first-degree murder has previously been upheld by two state courts. Demery also is serving a life sentence for the killing. Like crime stories? Probably so, since you're listening to this podcast and have made it this far. Saturday, March 16th, at the Cumberland County Headquarters Library downtown, a day-long event, CSL, Investigating True Crime at Your Library, will be held. It begins at 10 a.m. We'll go to about 4 p.m. 
Bruce Dawes, the director of the Fayetteville Area Transportation and Local History Museum, will open up the event with a talk about some of Cumberland County's notorious crimes from over the years. Different speakers and topics are scheduled each hour, including one with retired investigator Charles DiSponzio, with the conclusion set for 3 p.m. when WRAL's Amanda Lamb speaks. She has written several books about true crime cases. Registration is required. You can register online at cumberland.lib.nc.us or call the library. Nora Armstrong of the library system notes that due to the nature of the material covered, some presentations may be too graphic for younger or more sensitive participants. Unfortunately, there have been some really gruesome crimes over the years in Cumberland County. Of course, that's true almost anywhere you go. It should make for an interesting Saturday afternoon. A lot of good crime information and stories from the past. The investigation into election fraud in the U.S. House District 9 race in North Carolina continues to grow. The North Carolina State Board of Elections has ordered a new election for the district that runs from Charlotte to Bladen County. That's after an investigation found the contest was, quote, corrupted by fraud, improprieties, and irregularities so pervasive that its results are tainted as the fruit of an operation manifestly unfair to the voters and corrosive to our system of representative government, according to the board in its ruling. Search warrants unsealed Wednesday show that Bladen County political operative Leslie McRae Dallas Jr. was suspected of illegally handling election ballots in 2016 and was under surveillance by FBI and state investigative agents days before last year's primary. The three search warrants issued in December and January were part of a state investigation that yielded felony election law charges against Dallas. Dallas and four people... Uh, he allegedly hired to collect ballots were charged in state court last month on charges including possessing absentee ballots related to their work in the 2016 primary and general elections and last year's GOP primary. Earlier in the week, it was reported that federal prosecutors investigating potential election crimes have demanded documents for a grand jury reviewing the case. Well, let's wrap it up with some crime briefs. We've talked often, you know, about Crime Stoppers, the program that allows people to report information regarding criminal activity anonymously with the possibility of receiving a cash award. On Monday, March 11th, a Crime Stoppers tip led to the arrest of Brandon Jenkins and Christopher Mack Jr. Officers investigated an anonymous tip at a residence on the 1800 block of Sardonyx Road and found 410 grams of marijuana, nine units of alprazolam, eight units of tramadol, a rifle, a stolen handgun, multiple extended magazines for various firearms, and packaging and manufacturing materials for narcotics, according to a news release. Just so you know, Crime Stoppers can be reached at 910-483-TIPS. That's 910 8477 or 866-542-TIPS, 866-542-8477. TIPS can also be submitted by downloading the free P3 TIPS app at fay-ncrimestoppers.org. And again, all information is held in confidence. Four Robinson County men, one of them out on jail on bail after previously being charged with the theft of 25 head of cattle, face drug charges after search warrants were executed in two separate cases, the Robinson County Sheriff's Office said. 
Kevin Carl Haggins and William Randolph Collins, both of Shannon, and Clyde Allen Freeman and Nevada Allen Barnes, both of Maxton, were charged in separate investigations. Haggins was arrested in December on charges of cattle theft in the Shannon area of Robinson County. 24-year-old Damian Guthrie has been charged in conjunction with an incident earlier this month in which several cars crashed into utility poles during a shooting. Officers had responded to the area of Langton Street and Murkison Road in reference to reports of gunfire and a vehicle crash. Upon arrival, officers located three vehicles that had crashed into three separate utility poles, according to a police department news release. The preliminary investigation revealed that people in one of the crashed vehicles, as well as people in a fourth vehicle, which was not on scene, were involved in a shooting with each other before the crash. Guthrie is believed to be the driver of one of the crashed vehicles involved in the shooting. Police say additional rest may be forthcoming. That's it for episode 43 of Crime Time for Thursday, March 14th. Your comments and suggestions for Crime Time are welcome. You can reach me, Sonny Jones, by email at sjones at fayobserver.com or on Twitter at Jones. Again, thanks so much for listening. Hope you'll tune in next time for the next edition of Crime Time.